0: Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast, Episode 8. I'm your host, Joshua Sheets. Today's show is going to be a conversation. I want to give you an update on the show, an update on uh, some of the technological components of the show, and then I want to give you a little bit of a vision into some of the ideas and some of the places where I'm hoping that this show will go. Uh, thank you for listening this morning. I, think, I hope you enjoy uh, this morning. Uh, this morning 's show i 'm going to walk through a couple of ideas that are compelling to me first of all, updates on the show. Thank you so much to those of you who are listening uh, i 've been having a blast putting this thing together. Uh, be patient with me <laughs> i 'm learning as I go. Uh, there are so many things that need to be done uh, for this show, and i 'm doing them little by little uh, just to give you a little insight into uh, into what 's going on uh, with the show. starting to get some of the technological stuff worked out. Um, finally got the logo updated and put into iTunes. Um, that feels good to get done. <laughs> I know I've got lots of work to do. Uh, uh, one of the things that's on my list of things to do is, is figure out how to improve my audio quality. I need to get a better microphone set up. Uh, uh, I will do that as soon as I'm able to. Uh, I also need to uh, bring, I'm hoping to bring a little bit more professionalism to the Uh, bring in some theme music and some of the intros and the outros and things that make these types of podcasts more interesting to listen to. Uh, I'm learning as I go. Um, First of all, I hope that that's not too big of a turnoff for most people. Uh, I personally love consuming podcasts, and I enjoy the ones that are incredibly professionally well done. Uh, I think that's awesome, and I hope to get this show to that level in the future, but I also enjoy great content talking about great ideas, and I hope that today I can provide some great content and and uh, talk about good ideas. And I hope this can be valuable for you. I hope you enjoy the interviews that I've been doing. I hope some of the ideas and things that we discuss and the education is helpful. So I'll try to provide great content and then improve the production quality over time. Um, I'm learning as I go as well. <laughs> it was interesting. I... Uh, I'm learning what to do and what not to do. I was listening the other day to one of my shows that I recorded last week, and many of these shows, most of these shows, I'm recording them early in the morning. For example, uh, at this moment as I record this, it's 4.59 a.m., and (laughs) I get up and do these about 4 in the morning. I listened to one of the shows the other day, and <laughs> right at the beginning, I was, uh, I was, I couldn't, I could hardly stand the first 30 to 60 seconds of it because I was speaking so slowly. And the reason was that I was recording it at about 4 06 a.m. <laughs> and I had woken up at four. I was just sitting down with my first cup of coffee, and, and I uh, uh, <laughs> would start hit record, and I said, I got to get the show done. And as I started recording, I realized it's not good to record at 4 a.m. I need some time to wake up, get a couple of cups of coffee, get my energy level up. I, I was, it was boring and slow to listen to. So stick with me. I'll learn how to do this quickly and, and, and better as, as time goes on. So this morning I waited an hour and worked on some other stuff, got my mind cranking, uh, got my creative juices flowing and have a couple of coffees. That's, I have a cup, couple of cups of coffee. Uh, you'll hear me oftentimes if I pause for a moment, and take a sip of coffee. I hope, I hope it's not too uh, annoying, but uh, definitely doing that. Coffee makes me think better in the morning. So, this morning, I want to talk about some of the connecting themes uh, as I build this show out. Um, as I've stated in previous episodes, um. I'm running a, a balance in my head of how much to, of the type of content to bring you. Uh, I don't want to just bring, you know, this show is called Radical Personal Finance. Uh, I'm going to bring you technical content that I that I hope is interesting and educational, but I don't want this to be the, you know, the financial planning textbook show. Um, it's way too boring. But on the other hand, I don't want it to all be fluffy. So I'm I'm trying to run a balance between those two things, and I'm not exactly sure how i'm going to strike the balance uh, I've got some shows planned about some fundamentals that I think are are valuable uh, fundamentals of financial planning and I've also got lots of philosophical concepts and ideas and things that occur to me that seem like smarter ways to do things so kind of winging it as we go forward over the coming uh, days, weeks, and months and I hope that this content ultimately becomes coherent and cohesive, but um, just working on it as it, as it goes. Uh, as far as the interviews, uh, there are going to be interviews, my plan, from all across the spectrum, from people who are just killing it, doing awesome, people who are struggling, uh, people who have achieved all their goals, people who are just getting started, people with radically diverse and different different backgrounds. Uh, I'm doing that intentionally, and I'm hoping that as time goes forward that speaking with other people and, and hearing their story and hearing about the, the, the things that they're doing and, and their successes and their failures will help you figure out what's right for your financial plan. Uh, I find that just learning from other people's experiences is so valuable. Um, it's wise to learn from our own experiences, and not repeat our own mistakes again and again. But it's so much wiser, I think, to learn from other people's experiences. Why repeat all the mistakes that they've made? Why not simply learn from the things they've done well and the things that they've done poorly? After all, that's why we have parents <laughs> uh, in the initial stages of our life to guide us through uh, the the pitfalls and the the traps that are, are are available for us. And also by learning from other people's experiences, we can have Hope and encouragement when we see people that are facing more difficult circumstances than us, and we hear their their thoughts and their attitudes, and and that encourages us when we're struggling. And then also when when we hear people that are struggling, that helps us to realize that uh, it builds empathy in our hearts, where our hearts go out to other people, and we can we can reach out to them and and realize that our own situation is probably pretty good, um, and we can try to look to how to encourage them. The human heart is one that when we're encouraging others that helps us to be encouraged ourselves. I'm also trying to figure out how to balance a tone between my ideas and the things that I'm interested in for my personal life and being objective. I don't know how to strike this balance, so bear with me as I learn. Uh, I think that what I love about the world of podcasting is is the authenticity of a host. Uh, I love being able to listen to somebody and and understand who they really are and have it come out unfiltered by the uh, the eleven minute uh, segment on commercial radio and unfiltered by the the polished professionalism of the show so to me that's a major benefit of of podcasting but on the other hand I don't want to just be hammered sometimes with a host's opinion uh, on something. Uh, my opinions are going to change over time, so I also think that if we're just purely doing opinion shows and things like that, that can be a bit pigeonholing. But this morning, I am going to share some of my opinions and some of the things that I look at, and some of this is going to include my dreams, my my ideas, and these things are largely in flux. You'll you'll get a concept of. This morning, a little bit who, more of who I am and the types of things that, that I'm into. Uh, and I hope that it's helpful, and I hope that it challenges you. I hope that some of the ideas that I talk about are, are ideas that, frankly, when you hear them, they grate against you because they're out of the ordinary, to me that's good that means that those ideas will germinate and you'll figure out maybe some variation of that idea and it might be helpful to you again this is the radical personal finance not the main show not the mainstream personal finance show when i look also with respect to all of the international listeners that uh, uh, that we do have and i'm sure we will have in the future uh, I, I live in the United States of America, and this show will have a U.S.-American focus. But I don't think that the concepts are only able to be implemented in in the U.S.-American context. It's just that uh, this is what I know best, even though I've been privileged to travel more than many people. Each culture is unique, and you can't necessarily apply what works in one culture to another. But you can apply kind of a similar design process to multiple cultures. When I look at U.S. American society, I see so many things that are are just wonderful. Uh, I am a diehard optimist. This may sound like a contradiction, but I promise it's not, so hear me out. I am a diehard optimist. I believe that that's fact-based. It's not coming just simply from some pull the wool over my eyes and, and look to, to see what, uh, and and look to see. It's not, let me blind myself to the facts by looking at the facts. I am a diehard optimist. Here's what I mean. I believe that things have never been, life has never been better in the United States of America than it is now. Now, if that statement shocks you, um, I'll I'll get to the flip side because in many ways, I think that life has never been worse than it is now, but, but hear me out. There's never been a time in the history of the universe where opportunity has been greater. Freedom has been greater. Technology has given more access to, to information that can be life-changing than than right now. Uh, wealth in the United States of America is extremely high. Opportunity is extremely high. Um... Without question some of the ancient uh, barriers that that keep people divided whether that's religion or race or or um, any of those things that that keep people divided those those walls are lower than they've ever been um, technology has been an incredible game changer even though the far-reaching scope of government gets consistently larger and larger, freedom, personal freedom, is incredibly high. Um, this is going to sound like a cliché, but the Internet has been absolutely just a phenomenon that has changed every aspect of society and, and is just getting started. Uh, it's an absolute baby. There's more technology in the cell phone on your hip than existed in the world when they put a man on the moon. Think about how great the future is. Think about the wonderful ways that we can apply uh, these technologies to, to the future. Now on the same hand, even though I believe that the facts show uh, that uh, I mean, lifespans are longer, uh, we know more about the working of the human body, um, more and more people are coming out of poverty uh, all around the world, Millions of people coming out of poverty in in formerly extremely poor countries uh, now there are still millions and millions of people in poverty, but those people are coming out innovation is high uh, in the United States of America um, what's a, a person who is defined as poor has uh, those definitions of poor are better than a poor person in the United States of America today usually has, uh, according to the government data line and, and, and the numbers that they use. A poor person usually generally has a place to live in that's reasonably safe. Transportation, that's amazing. Um, color television, air conditioning. Go back to the richest person in the world 100 years ago, 200 years ago. The richest person in the world couldn't buy air conditioning couldn't buy entertainment from all over the world, couldn't buy instant access to information and education and inspiration, and now it's freely available, absolutely 100% free down at the local library. Uh, The knowledge of the world at at any person's fingertips. So with the tools that we have now, money is becoming less and less relevant as a barrier to people's um, learning. Think about the breadth of experience that comes from from the internet. Think about the fact that somebody, pretend you're homeless and you don't have a dollar. Think about the fact that today you can walk into any public library. Every public library that I'm aware of has today a large bank of computers that are available for uh, the use, completely for free. Sign into a computer, get a pair of headphones. You can pull up a... uh, a free online. You can pull up YouTube and access information from all around the world. Free. You can see what somebody in China is doing, filming it on their iPhone and putting it on YouTube. That's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And the, a lot of times, all this information, to me, it doesn't seem like it's being applied as efficiently as it could be. Now, I'm more optimistic about the future than I ever have been, but at the same hand, look at the reality of the current situation and we're not applying the technology as broadly as we could to improve our situation. Financial stress is high. Why is financial stress in our country so high? Why do many people live paycheck to paycheck? Well, obviously there's lots of reasons. Part of it could just be that no one's taught them how to not live paycheck to paycheck. Part of it could be that their circumstances seem overwhelming. Part of it could be that their income is very low. Part of it could be that that they've been wracked with personal tragedy, um, disability, uh, death, sicknesses. But, but why is it that so many people are are in such financial stress? Why is it that so many people are in such heavy debt burdens? Now, the facts show that the debt burden in America is much lower than it was 10 years ago. That's the facts. Uh, the, the economic challenges of the last five years have been great for people to realize that it helps to pay off debt. Um, people are more aware of it than, than any time in the past. But yet still, why is it as high as it is? There's so many... Uh, what's the term for it? Maybe... Uh, it's a word, kind of like dichotomy, where it just doesn't seem to be... It seems to be conflicting, uh, where one fact on on one side and one fact on the other side seem to say exactly the same. The facts seem to be woefully different, and and, and it can't really reconcile them. Um how happy are most Americans? To me, that's a major question. How happy are most Americans? I think in reality, many Americans are pretty happy. But yet, ask yourself, as I ask myself, are they as happy as they could be? You know, I went through in preparation for this show, I was trying to think through and try to browse the interwebs, coming up with statistics and and things. And as far as you know what percentage of people love their jobs and love their lives and are totally happy and totally fulfilled with what they're doing. Um, problem with statistics is you can make them say everything that they that, that, that you want them to say. I literally found two studies. I found a Gallup poll that was recent. Um, I've got it right here. I'm reading the PDF from the Gallup organization. This one is 2013. Um, the State of the American Workplace: Employee Engagement Insights for U.S. Business Leaders. Um, was this 2013? No, this was uh, 2011, it uh, looks like. It was their data. And it shows that 70% of American workers are are not engaged or are actively disengaged at their work. Now, on the same hand, I was Googling around, and I found a CNBC study that shows that 70% of Americans are <laughs> satisfied with their work. So who do you believe? <laughs> The title of the article is Americans Don't Want to Shove Their Jobs, survey says. So, what do you, what do you believe? <laughs> I've got no idea. Um, but, you know, these economic uh, challenges are entirely 100% solvable. But yet, we've got to change the way that they're solved. And I'm going to go over some of my ideas and some of my strategies for that today. Um, what about the health? health of Americans it seems like in some ways it's better than it's ever been. After all, look at the facts. People are living longer than they've ever lived. That's a fact. Lifespans are incredibly long. And yet more people are suffering from ongoing chronic illnesses and, and uh, are more people die from preventable causes than anything else. I mean, heart disease is... is, is I was looking at some, some statistics on the CDC website. 25% of, uh, of Americans, uh, on average, 25% of Americans die from heart disease. Um, so, in 2008, CDC website, uh, percentage of all death caused by heart disease in 2008, um, across all ethnicities, 25%. I mean, my understanding, if you ask um, most physicians, my understanding is that heart disease would be almost entirely preventable. Almost entirely preventable. Now I'm sure that there are some aspects that are not, but it seems to me it's almost entirely preventable. And yet 25% of Americans died due to heart disease. Uh, Stress related illnesses are incredibly high. So. Anyway, enough of the problems. I mean, I'm so optimistic, but enough of the problems. Let's talk about some of the solutions. I believe that good, sound financial planning can solve some of these, these problems. And that financial planning, I'm going to apply that more broadly than uh, here's the percentage that you should put into a retirement account. Um, our lives, our financial lives are stressed out needlessly. And we bring it on ourselves. These are choices. There are many influencing factors. You can't, you always know you're getting dumb advice, or you always know, in my opinion, you always know you're getting dumb advice or a dumb perspective when somebody says this is the one cause. There's never one cause. Um, why do you get cancer? I don't know. But it's not just from, from, You know this one cause Uh, the one example I think that most people could relate to because you probably have spoken with people. um, Smoking causes lung cancer. Well, is that true? I I don't think so. Um, Now, do many people who smoke get lung cancer? Absolutely. But we all know that story of the of the ninety eight year old lady in the Tennessee mountains that that uh, smoked a pack a day and drank whiskey for breakfast and lived at 98 years old and died a happy death of old age and was totally healthy so can you say that smoking causes cancer yeah but that's not the only factor so you have to look at a little bit deeper now here would be how i'd look a little bit deeper if somebody is highly stressed overweight lives in a toxic environment lives under a state of perpetual stress where their body is up, frustrated and upset is dramatically overweight takes a lot of uh, drugs for various conditions and that person smokes cigarettes on a daily basis. I think, going out on a limb here, it's more likely that their bodies would not be able to fight off the cancer cells than the person, the, the proverbial old lady in Tennessee, who wakes up in the morning, walks outside with a cup of coffee and a cigarette, looks at the mountain, totally stress, uh, stress-free, relaxed, surrounded by friends and family, I'm painting utopia, I understand, uh, but relaxed, surrounded by friends and family, uh, has clean air to breathe, clean food to eat from her garden, her body is able to keep those cancer cells in check. So it's, not just, it's never just one, one thing, never just one cause. And so there's never just one solution. Um, there's so many things that, that are brought together. In general, this is a generalization, but in general, my observation is that most Americans don't seem to be so incredibly satisfied with what they're doing, and I believe that they should be. Now, many people love their work, they love their jobs, but many people seem to exist in this state of in-between, well, there's are two, two extremes. So there's many people love their work, love their jobs, are living their passion. Uh, we hear a lot these days about living your passion, and i i 'm into that cool. I get it. Why do you think i 'm up at i guess it 's five twenty right now uh, when I could be asleep because i this is fun i I enjoy this i i, I value I, I enjoy this time spent talking to you. Uh, I want it to be valuable to you so that 's an example of me kind of living my passion. So many people do that and those people are inspiring to us. Those people uh, are people that we, we hear them talk at a speech and we, our lives are impacted because of them. Um, many people exist in absolute desperation, completely fed up with their lives, uh, completely, fed up with, um, completely fed up with their circumstances. And those people, because they're desperate and because they're changing, they take action. Some of them take negative action, they commit suicide. Uh, there is an epidemic of teen suicide going on in this country right now. It's, this is a by point, but we've, it's a major social problem that's got to be improved. But many people commit suicide. That's action. It's action because they're so fed up they can't take it anymore. Uh, some people take action and they change their job. They, I quit. They move. Some people get so fed up that they, they, they leave the country. They, they, they go on a trip. They, they do something. They change something. But it comes at the point of such extreme pain. But many people exist right in this in-between state, where it's not so bad that I have to change, but it's not so good that I would keep doing it if I, I didn't have to. How else do you explain the popularity of bucket lists and, and 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 that the sites and blogs and things that are associated with that? Now, usually people, the, the, the sites and the blogs are written by people who are doing it, um, but what about all the people that are drawn to that without doing anything? So there's, a, there's an epidemic of just general malaise. And I think that financial planning is a tool that can get people there. Now, here's, here's my, my evidence. I'm not, I can't prove this with numbers, but, but when you talk about things like retirement with people, most people want to retire. But I, I question that sometimes, and I, I try to ask people and, and talk to them and say, what would you do if you retired? What would you do? And a lot of times as people get closer to that, that magic date, they tend to make different choices. Well, why wait to make those choices until you retire? I ask people sometimes, what would you do if money were not an object? And usually we're conditioned to uh, respond with first, in our society, with some sort of consumption based uh, answer. I'd buy this kind of car, I'd do this expensive thing. And that's fine. Um, But once you get past all that consumption, ultimately there's usually an answer. I should look it up, but uh, I'm not going to because we don't need the statistic such a high percentage of people say that they would love to write a book yet they don't write one such a high percentage of people say that they would love to produce art and yet they, they don't produce it now how can we fix this how can we produce the art and produce the the uh, i guess just the 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 I don't know, don't know how to say it, uh, produce the art, produce the things that, that bring more lasting fulfillment. Well, the dots connect in my mind, and I'm going to try to connect them for you. And there's so many aspects to it, but I'm going to try to connect some of them and tell you where my mind goes and how I would achieve it. Uh, I don't know how to communicate this perfectly. This is, this is rambly. Uh, I know that. But here are, here are my thoughts. First of all, We've got to see through the illusion of happy consumption. I'm going to paint two pictures for you. These are This is a straw man argument. I recognize that. It's never going to be this extreme. But I'm going to paint two pictures for you. And you tell me which one uh, appeals to you. And I'm going to... Th- these are not mutually exclusive. But, but go with me for a moment. See in your mind's eye a beautiful expensive perfectly designed beauty of an archi- uh, of architecture house that you live in. The house is large it's in the finest neighborhood in your town it's well landscaped it's manicured uh, you don't have to do that somebody else does that for you. Um, the house has beautiful furnishings from all the bright brand names. Uh, the house is well-appointed in every way. It's comfortable. It's beautiful. And the driveway is parked um, the most ideal vehicle for your um, situation and status in life. Uh, your dream car is parked right in the driveway where you can see it every day and all your neighbors can see it. house is freshly painted. The, the grass is green if there's grass. there's The flowers are, are beautiful. It's large. You have plenty of room for family to stay with you. You have plenty of room for friends to stay with you. See that in your mind's eye. Okay, now on the flip side, picture a different a different uh, house. This house is uh, on the edge of town, or whatever your town looks like. Maybe that's a um, semi-rural uh, neighborhood. Uh, maybe it's just a small, uh, it's on the edge of town. House is small. It's a cottage. I don't know, five hundred, eight hundred, a thousand square feet. It's just got just enough bedrooms. Maybe one or two or three, depending on how many you need for the number of people. It has a simple living room, simple furnishings. It's simple. It's not it's not dirty. It's not um it's not run down, it's not dangerous, but it's simple. Now question Which house would you rather live in? And there's not a wrong, right or wrong answer here. It's just, a, just an interesting thought experiment. Which house would you rather live in? Now, you pick the answer to that, and let's go on. Now, house A. You get up in the morning feeling tired because you went to sleep late the night before because you had to stay up late working on a work project. Uh, your work is something that, that is very challenging, that drains you. And you stayed up till midnight, and you had to get up at uh, about six a.m. to, to get into the office early. Um, now, you know you're supposed to work out uh, in the morning, but you don't quite have time. So you grab a cup of coffee, several cups of coffee to keep you awake, and and uh, uh, you rush out the door. You jump in the car. You don't have time to to see your family in the morning. But right as you're leaving, your spouse or your children, if you have them. Um, mention something to you that just is even more stressful. They mention to you about uh, a financial expense that's coming up or a, a problem at school or, or, or something. So you rush out the door to a job, and they, you're there at the job, and you're stressed out. You didn't have time for a uh, an enjoyable breakfast. You're stressed out, and you rush to the job, and as you're at the job, you the things come all day long. This, this problem, that problem, the third problem, the fourth problem. You know, you're working with people you don't like. You hit traffic on the way to work. You sat in traffic for maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Uh, you got to the office. You worked all day. You escaped for a few moments at lunch to regain your sanity. You scarfed down some food. You get home late at night, seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock. Uh, there's no dinner there, um, so you had to pick up something on the way. You sit down. You have just a few minutes with your family. Um, your spouse is upset with you, your kids are upset with you, you don't see each other, you don't speak to each other, and you drown your sorrows in a, I don't know, a glass of alcohol. Now that's option A with a nice house. But you got the nice house. Option B, you wake up in the morning without an alarm clock. Sun comes up, your body naturally wakes up, you feel good, you had a good night's sleep. You get up, you get breakfast if you're into that you have a cup of coffee you walk outside look at the flowers sitting if you're a coffee drinker or a tea or whatever your morning routine is you look at the the flowers and you just admire the beauty of the day you spend an hour over breakfast with your family like you would on a on a saturday maybe you eat blueberry pancakes and that's your family tradition you spend that hour together Then you go and you sit down at your work. And your work is meaningful to you. You don't need to drive anywhere. Your work is right there. There's no need to go anywhere. There's no need to face traffic or commute. You get to work on work that matters to you. You get to be close to your family and those that you love. You have time throughout the day to um, take the call from an old friend. You have time to walk outside and go for a walk at lunchtime. You have time to eat healthy food life is peaceful, it's, str- it's, it's lower stress. You have time to exercise. You have time just to be a human being. You finish the work that you need to do for the day and you work on some sort of artistic project, an expression of your creativity. In the evening, some close friends come over. Maybe you visit with your neighbors. You have a relaxing evening. Maybe read a book, watch a movie. Be with people that you love. Play a game with your kids. And you go to bed at a healthy time. Now, I I know I'm painting two pictures, but here's the question. Which of those days would you choose? Uh, i got to believe that whether or not I did a good job describing it, many people would be drawn towards the second option. Uh, I feel pretty confident about that because when I talk to people or when I read online of what people write about what they they would like to do it's usually going to sound more like the second option than than the first so my question is is it the big house is it the car that is really motivating or is it the lifestyle now big houses and cars are great that's awesome good for you but that doesn't bring the happiness gotta get the happiness first and let the big houses and cars come with time consumption doesn't make us happy um consumerism is not the answer now the mansion is awesome if you want to live there and if it's easy for you to live there and you can live that kind of lifestyle i know people who live in um mansions and their life is exactly what i laid out in the second day but they do it in the first first type of environment that's awesome but don't stretch for the first type of environment and get the life that's associated with that um there are options where we can do it differently. So one of the things that my guiding principles, consumerism is not the answer. Production is the answer. A lot of times what people view as pain um, is not actually pain. Consumption doesn't ultimately bring us happy happiness. Uh, having extra unused rooms that we heat and cool every day by working at a job that we don't like is not what brings Happiness. Having rooms that are comfortable for us to live in, that are spacious enough for us to be in, and doing work that we enjoy will kick us farther down that road. Now, I have a personal bias towards minimalism. Not because of any like specific amount of stuff that's right or wrong, but here's my example that makes sense to me. Do you enjoy going on vacation, walking into a nice hotel room? Looking around at the furniture, looking around at the bed, and just simply existing. Which 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 of these two things gives you a greater sense of peace? Picture yourself walking into a well-appointed hotel room—not not opulent, not not expensive, just well-appointed. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. You walk in with a small bag of of, of your clothes. You set that bag down in the corner. And you turn to your family or the people that you love that you're with. And you ask, what should we do today? Or, scenario B is you walk into your garage. <laughs> Need I go further? Now, <laughs> for those whose garage looks like it could be on the cover of a, of a book about garages. then <laughs> uh, You're already doing it, so don't, why listen to me? for many people, the garage would probably be a source of stress. Right, well, You got all your stuff in the garage and the hotel room, you don't have your stuff. So because you don't have so much stuff in the hotel room, you can be, you can go, you can explore, you can go to eat, you can be with your family. So does the stuff make us happy? I would say it doesn't, but that's my opinion. I would say that the right stuff helps life to be a little bit better. Um, living with thirty two things that you own may be great for some people for some people it's not, but I would say less clutter and minimalism is 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 a big factor. I think doing work that you love is and are passionate about is a big factor i I, I try and I look and I look and I look and i just I never see people that just simply quit life that are really happy. If you wanted to quit life and that's and make you happy, you can do it today. There's homeless bums in every city in the, in the country. They don't work. Are they happy? Some of them probably are. No, many of them probably aren't. But I see a lot of people who, who could quit that don't. They continue working at things that they're interested in, that they enjoy, and that they're passionate about, and they continue working at these things long after they they have to. So why not why not understand that early on? I'm gonna to try to sell you in this show on the concept of getting out of debt. Not that it's not something that you don't or many people don't intellectually grasp, but that it's such a greater lifestyle and there's almost nothing worth borrowing for Uh, especially nothing consumption related that's worth borrowing for picture this picture the difference think first about your situation if you had no debt no payments to anybody for anything including no monthly bills no monthly utility bills no monthly no monthly bills which most people aren't going to believe is possible and it's probably not possible but i'll come back to that in a second pretend that you have no debt and no bills how much stress would you have every month how much stress Now, also pretend that you have no debt, but you just have some ongoing bills. How much money would you have every month? Quite a bit, right? To me, that's the reason to get out of debt. There's nothing that's worth bringing that stress into your life. Now, I I have a mortgage. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not walking away from the financial realities of life but conceptually that's got to be motivating to to me it's it's a, it's it's very motivating i hope to sell you on the concept and why that's a, something that's worth worth striving for and hope to sell it to you as something that is is desirable rather than something that is self-sacrifice. If you, if, you, if you view getting out of debt as pain, having to curtail your spending and being uh, unhappy, you won't do it. But if you view it as something that's worth achieving because it ultimately brings you greater uh, peace and satisfaction and happiness, you'll work towards it. And it's not, a, it's not a sacrifice. It's a pleasure. I think there's great value in having lower expenses. Let me paint again these two concepts for you. Forget about the numbers. Pretend that you have three scenarios. Scenario A, or scenario one, is you earn X dollars. And you spend 105% of that number. Just 5% more than you bring in. Scenario B is you earn X dollars and you spend 100% of that number. Scenario C is you earn X dollars and you spend 50% of that number. Which of those budgets would feel more comfortable? Now most people are at maybe spending somewhere between 90 and 110% of their money. Um, It's hard to spend 110% on an ongoing basis, but it's easy to spend 100% on an ongoing basis. Many people save. Most people save. Uh, I reject a lot of the statistics that show that nobody saves money. That's not true. Um, Lots of people save money. Depends on how it's calculated. Most people save something. But what if you had 50% expenses? So, I believe it's possible, and it's possible without sacrificing much lifestyle. Now, we've got to apply some different technology and some different ideas to the, to, the, to the question. And this show is about exploring ideas. There's so many great ideas and so many great technologies that are available to us. Um, if we were designing lives, if we were designing financial lives, would we design them the way that they're, they happen? Or would we design them differently? I think we'd design them differently and there are technologies available today that have never been available before. And we can access those technologies, and we can profile them, we can see them from all over the world. Um, Take all of your expenses, and there's technologies for eliminating them or for improving them. So I'm personally passionate about making housing a smarter choice. So I love, you know, we can have um, a standard-looking American house, we can have a standard-looking American house that works well for us. Why do, is our, why do our houses suck money out of our budgets? Why don't our houses keep money in our lives? Uh, so why don't we improve the efficiency of our houses? Not because of some uh, environmental guilt trip, but because it's simply better. Why are our houses not more efficiently run, more efficiently made, more efficiently designed? Why do they cost so much to build? The technology exists for us to b- b- build and create houses that are, are, are uh, provide for us. There's so many non-traditional options for housing. Uh, there's the tiny house movement. There are people who live in RVs. There are people who don't own houses because they travel the whole time. Uh, there are houses that you build with your hands out in the woods. There are houses that you build with your hands in the city. Uh, There's so many options for housing. Why is it that you have to have a 30-year mortgage for a house? Why is it that we have to pay for all of our food a la carte? Why don't our houses make food for us? Why are all the medians in our highways and our towns planted with non productive trees? Why not replace some of those with fruit trees? Why do we pay for things like um, apples? Why do you buy apples if you're in a place where you can grow apples? Apple trees are easy to plant. Just plant them out on the street and go out and pick some. I live in the South here. We don't grow apples, but why do I? Why do people buy avocados and mangoes? Why don't the? Why aren't the roadsides decorated with avocado trees and mango trees and and uh, orange trees and everything that's freely available for all to come and can and get it? Well, the reason why is because people may or may not pick it up, and people and the the maintenance people don't want. Uh, To deal with the trash of the quote-unquote trash of the fruit under the tree. Seems a little silly, but that's the reason. (laughs) But why can't it be better? Why can't... Why can't... I guess I'm going off on a tangent here, but I probably should do a whole show about this. But the technology exists today to provide for all of our needs cheaper and better there's zero reason for there to be there's zero reason for all of our budgets to be consumed with buying food and energy and water and transportation all these things. All of these things have solutions, and we 're going to profile those solutions there's zero reason why our houses have to be such a money pit why we have to use these expensive technologies when they 're simpler solutions uh, uh, you can You can heat water. With an electric hot water heater, with a gas hot water heater, and with the sun. Why do all of our homes not have a solar hot water heater on the roof? Again, I'm not, I'm not coming at it from the perspective of uh, to, to save the Amazon rainforest. I'm coming at it from the perspective of dollars and cents. One of my projects is I'd like to build a solar hot water heater in my home. Um, I haven't done it yet, so this is not coming. From, but I know that I've seen the technology It's so doable. Why do we not use the energy that's raining on the house all day long to heat our water? Why do we pay for it? For that reason, why do we pay for water? Uh, water falls freely in most parts of, of the United States. Why do we not capture that water and use it? Why do many people pay $100 a month I was talk, uh, for, for their water? I was talking with a friend of mine and I asked him, um, I don't have a water bill per se. I, I live on a, uh, a property with a well, so I have an electricity bill for the well but was talking with a friend who's on the municipal water supply and his water bill is about $100 a month. I said, why on earth do you pay that? I live in Florida. We have more rainfall than the, we have a lot of rain. It seems, if you step back, it seems crazy that anybody in Florida would ever pay for water. Why don't we have a home that captures the rain, stores it for us to use? Well, you say we'd have to have a way to do that. Yes. Why don't we? Well, some people do. I think we all could. Um, why do we have... We could go on and on, uh, and I don't mean to, but why do we have houses that have to heat, have to cool? It's possible. The technology is out there. If you live in a place where it gets cold in the winter, I have seen... There, there is technology out there. Um, I hope to profile it. Um, but the technology exists where you never have to use any kind of outside heat other than the solar heat that falls, even in the middle of winter, in some of the coldest places. Now, I've never lived up in the Arctic tundra, so maybe you'd have to have some supplemental heat there. But I've certainly seen houses that, in snow country, that you never have to heat, 100% on solar heat. Why aren't all houses designed like that? there are houses that are designed to be very, very cool. Now this is, this to me seems more challenging, but the technology exists. And what if we actually applied our heads to it and, and provided it and said, we're not gonna go with the, uh, you know, my, I live in Florida, my $125 a month AC bills. Why doesn't the house cool itself? If we put our head on that and we put our brains around that, our houses should be able to do that, whether it's geothermal, uh, whether it's uh, natural air drafts, I don't know what it is, but there, there are options. We're going to explore some of those options. Why don't our houses make energy for us? Instead of having to pay the electric bill, why don't our houses just simply make energy? Whether that's solar panels on the roof or whether it's some other form of energy production. Um, it, I love the fact that I don't have any solar panels at the moment, and they're very expensive as a per cost of, of, of electric uh, hour. Uh, I get that. But I love the fact that prices are dropping. And I love the fact my prediction at 10 years, it'll be standard. Well, let's, let's get going. Let's make it happen. Why do we have to pay anywhere from $200 to $1,000 a month for uh, food that's not very good, that makes us sick? Why don't our houses create food for us? Why don't we have computer-controlled growing systems in our houses that provide the optimal growing environment for the fruits and vegetables and plants that, that we need? There's so many solutions, um, and I want this show to be about solutions. Solutions exist. I'm passionate about finding them for me, and for my family, and I'm passionate about profiling them for for you and yours. These things don't often seem like uh, it doesn't seem like a financial topic, and yeah, I could talk through about how do you, um, and I will, but you know how do you create this from an investment plan, things like that. But let me ask you a question. What ultimately is the purpose of having a large investment portfolio that provides income for you? Is it not to pay for your daily living needs? To me, that would seem to be the answer. Investment portfolio's purpose is to provide income for you. Now, there are a couple ways to achieve it. You can build the portfolio that provides income, or you can just simply provide the needs that you would spend the income on. Now, the, the, the right answer is probably a combination of the two, but we gotta talk always about the combination of the two. You can either buy a house that gives you a place to live, or you can build an investment portfolio that pays you income over time. Either one is okay, they both do the same thing. You either have to pay rent or you own a place to live so there's multiple ways of kind of solving this nut there, there's lots of options that we can do and we're going to talk about those but just realize that there's always a couple choices now the right answer is, again it's a combination of the two um i don't think it's most people would ever really want to be have where 100 percent of their needs are provided you know you can build a completely self-sufficient little piece of property somewhere and never go anywhere and never do anything beyond that but your property provides you with you know heat and cooling and food and water and that's great okay but it sounds a little boring to me Uh, i'd want to go some places But on the same hand if you don't have to come up with x thousands of dollars per month to provide for those living expenses you have more money to pursue to do the other things that that you don't can provide for yourself so a little bit rambly but i'm going to wrap up that's kind of the concept that I want to explore. Um, I want to explore the concept of, of just building systems, systems that work, systems of support, uh, systems that, that provide for our needs. And I want to talk through building those things in a flexible way. There's so many cool options. I've got tons of ideas of, of ways to do things. I'll try to sell you on my ideas and I want to hear your ideas back. And we'll try to find the people that are doing radical, interesting things and figure out how we can apply what they're doing to our situation. I think that's it for today. I'd love to hear some feedback from you. Um, leave a note in the uh, show notes. Again, this is episode 8 of the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. Shoot me an email, joshua at radicalpersonalfinance.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you exactly what you're interested in. And I'd love to profile all of the interesting technology you can find. Now i be clear. I can't say to you that I'm out ahead forging the path and having it all done. Uh, I guess I am out ahead forging the path. I don't have all this stuff done, but I'm fascinated by it. And I really feel that this is, even though I've struggled to communicate it this, this morning, I really feel that this is an underlying theme I really feel like using the techniques that we have, such cheap technology, such cheap options for how to to, to live, combined with good understanding of investments and financial planning and the taxes and um, the different vehicles that are available to us, combined with Never before better opportunities to improve our income and make and earn a high dollar amounts combined with opportunities to provide systems that provide for our needs. There's such amazing options available and we can create craft lives that, that are free of the, the stress of providing for those daily needs and that are where we just simply enjoy living the way that we're meant to live. Come on by the blog, leave show notes, uh, leave a comment in the show notes, shoot me an email. Hope this is helpful. Look forward to another conversation tomorrow. Again, with that, Joshua Sheets. Um, This has been episode eight of the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. Have a great day.